Hello, and welcome to the Worth the Watch podcast. While there are plenty of movie review podcasts out there, our goal is not to be that. This is supposed to be a fun look back at movies from our past that we have enjoyed. We just want to fill that place between your ears for about an hour. Make your commute to work a little more tolerable, or let you reflect on a movie that you may have seen. Movies can make us laugh and cry, make us cringe in fear, or be a shot of adrenaline. We watch them in theaters with total strangers, at home with friends and family, or on Sundays when it's on cable for the 300th time. When One We Love comes on TV, we get excited. It's almost like, hey, someone else likes this movie too. So if you like what we do, let us know. Follow us on Twitter at WorthTheWatchPC, again, at WorthTheWatchPC, or email us at WorthTheWatchPodcast at gmail.com. Make suggestions of movies you love and want to hear. Tell us what areas you want us to cover. Please keep things clean. We have families who don't want them to be worried about us. Please remember, this is all in good fun, and if something on here offends you, tough shit. Get over it and find something else to be upset about. I have three things to say, Ed. Okay. Pain heels, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. Yes. DC right, flip 90 dig, on the center, on the center, ready? Welcome to the Worth the Watch podcast. I'm your host, Ed Palilla. With me as always, Mike Kennedy. Hello, Mike. Hello, Edward. Today's movie, uh, a 2000 classic starring our buddy Keanu Reeves, our second Keanu Reeves movie, The Replacements. I'd probably put this movie in the top five or six football movies, to be honest. Um, I'll kind of explain why later when we get into it, but where? what do you think, Mike? I'd say it's better than like The Water Boy or... Yeah, it's definitely better than like The Water Boy. Um, I'd say it's better than uh, it's, the other it's, awful it, one that he did. I'm saying like the some uh, the the remake yeah the longest yard remake yeah it's probably a little bit it's a little better than that um any given sunday the program the problem with like any given sunday the program and stuff like that is they're different movies this is a comedy yeah this is a comedy uh from from comedic standpoint varsity blues is funny it tries to take itself seriously and it it definitely misses a lot (laughs) um Necessary Roughness was a good comedy, if you remember from the early 90s. With the, uh, Scott Bakula. With Scott Bakula uh, in Sinbad. I always loved that movie growing up. Uh, that's that's a good comedy. Yeah, I guess out of the out – of, if you want to say football comedies, the, it, it probably is the best out of all of them. And you're right. Like the program and, Nece- and Any Given Sunday are allowed to take themselves a lot more serious. Remember the Titans, another one. Um Friday Night Lights, another one that they they're a different type of movie. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, came out August eleventh, two thousand. It budgeted at fifty million dollars. It only made forty four million dollars in theaters, which kind of surprised me because it has had quite a cable run since then. I, I I what would you guess? How many times do you think you've seen this movie? At least parts of it on TV. Probably 
I'm probably working on double digits. Oh, know? I was going to say maybe 25 or 30. Well, so I, was I, gonna say, I was going to say parts of it. Yeah, like probably yeah, 20. Yeah, at least parts so, of it, yeah. Sitting, sitting, seeing pretty much like three quarters of the movement is it down. I'm probably close to 10 times at least. I've yeah. watched the majority of it. So yeah. yeah, there's plenty of times I've I've come in early on and been like, oh, I'm going to wait until I see this scene. Or I'm already halfway through. I'm going to just finish it out. Or wait till at least the next commercial break or something and catch part of it. But uh, this one, I actually was even thinking I probably could have done this one without writing down any notes on it. I just know this movie so well. Uh, what would be your guess for the Rotten Tomato score of this, Mike? Out of 100%. How do you say that of 100%? Yeah. Um, Remember, this is uh, the critic, critic Rotten Tomato score. 50? 41. I guess that feels about right. Um, not all critics are athletes or in comedies. Usually they shave about 10 points off of the audience score is 66% though. So that does feel about right. 25% higher than what the, the critics give it. Mm-hmm. And then an IMDb score of six and a half out of 10, which is pretty, pretty good. Anything that's six and a half or higher is usually pretty good. The cast of this movie, uh, few names you've heard of a lot of names you probably haven't. So, as I said, Keanu Reeves plays Shane Falco. Keanu Reeves from about a million movies. Gene Hackman as Jimmy McGinty. Towards the end of Gene Hackman's acting career. I don't think he hasn't been anything in a while, has he? He's he's like a he's like writing now or something like that. Yeah, we'll have to maybe I can look that up while while you're reading uh, um, the thing for the movie. An actress named Brooke Langton played Annabelle Farrell. I really liked her. I wish she would have had more of a career. The only other thing I've ever seen her in is she did one episode of Monk, and she was the dental assistant to, of all people, John Favreau, which is kind of funny. To, to answer your question about Gene Hackman, his last movie that he acted in was in 2004. Yeah, it feels about right. I haven't seen him in a long welcome, time. Welcome to Mooseport. Oh, yeah, welcome to Mooseport, which is – I've never seen it. I know it's gotten a lot of critical acclaim. From like ninety eight to two thousand four, though he did. I mean, he did Enemy of the State, um, The Replacements, The Mexican, uh, Heartbreakers, Heist, Royal Tenenbaums, oh, Behind yeah, Enemy Lines, um, Runaway Jury, and then Welcome to Mooseport. And that was his last one. Yeah, Runaway Jury. We're definitely doing that movie. That movie's awesome. Yeah, I like that movie. He's too. very good in that movie too. All right. Uh, Orlando Jones plays Clifford Franklin. Orlando Jones was the infamous uh, seven up yours guy. And it looked like he might have a little run. He had that small part in office space and then he kind of fell off. Yep. Uh, Phase on love. One of the best names I've ever heard <laughs> plays Jamal. He was the manager of the gimbal store in elf. So you only see, that's the only other thing I've ever really seen him in. Uh, he, his brother Andre in the movie is played by Michael Talaferro, who, if you remember from Life, is the one that says, You're going to eat your cornbread. That's him. <laughs> you know what? I didn't put that together until you said it. Right? Yeah, I looked it up and I, I looked him up and it popped up Life. I'm like, That's right. That's him. Uh, Troy Winbush plays Walter Cochran, the running back. Oh, I should probably say there are Andre and uh, Jamal are the uh, the. Offensive guard. guards, Orlando Orlando Jones plays Clifford Franklin, the wide receiver. Uh, Troy Winbush plays Walter Cochran, the running back. He was in John Q, which I think that's a very underrated movie. 
Uh, that's about all I really remember him from. Well, I, I don't even remember really remember even him from there. He's just one of the hostages. He's kind of he has a smaller part. When I saw it, I kind of remembered him. David Denman plays Brian Murphy, the tight end, most known as the recurring character Roy Anderson in The Office, who is uh, uh-huh. the love interest for a while that Jim takes away uh, from. John Favreau plays Danny Bateman. We're going to get into John Favreau later. If you don't know John Favreau is, we'll tell you in a little bit. Uh, Michael Jace plays Wilkinson, the safety. Oh, sorry. D- Danny Bateman was the linebacker. Michael Jace plays Wilkinson, the safety, who is the uh, current con and is put out on essentially a work release to play for uh, play for the Sentinels. I have an interesting fact on him later. He wasn't really in any other movies other than some small parts. I'm going to say his name wrong, but I think it's Reese Ifans plays Nigel Gruff. He played the villain in The Amazing Spider-Man, the remake with Andrew Garfield. So we'll call that the first of the second round of the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, he's like the lizard guy, right? Yes, yes, that's him. And we talked about him in our Sandlot podcast, but Art LaFour plays Coach Baines, and he was Babe Ruth in the Sandlot. So that's all the players I had. Uh, they're all the actors I really had. Mike, you're gonna, we're going to go through the players piece by yeah, piece I, as we I, go. I have, I have a few other ones you didn't go over, like when we go over the players, just to kind sure. of, like, you know. Those were the ones that at least had some acting credits that I could go after. There's probably a few more players you can sprinkle in there. There's so there's so many in this movie that like actually have like some lines that have like some decent. Yeah, I skipped the the sumo wrestler and I'm trying to think of one other person. Eddie Martell, you know. Oh, Eddie Martell, like... yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll do the rundown of all of them uh, after you you do the summary, Mike. All right, all right. So our movie here, the replacements. It's late in the season. All right, in the pro football league, and they find themselves hit with a player strike. All right, and the team we're working with is the Washington Sen- Sentinels, and they're looking for a solution. Uh, the Sen- Sentinels owner, Edward O'Neill, decides he's going to bring back this coach, Jimmy McGinty, to recruit a team to replace the players, all the players that they had pretty much. And uh, he has exactly one week to do it, so he's short on time. If Washington wins three out of the next four games, they make the playoffs. Most of the other teams are recruiting like semi-pro players. And, but McGinty has been following certain players around kind of, and like seeing what they've been up to. He's recruiting different ragtag misfit players, but he starts with, you know, the most important position QB and he gets himself Shane Falco, who is a former Ohio state Buckeye who blew a big, sugar ball game that everybody remembers in the movie. And he also played a little bit of pro football too, but pretty much fizzled out after one season I'm thinking about. And uh, he now lives in a houseboat near the stadium where he cleans shit off the bottom of boats. Um, he decides to join the team after being reluctant, uh, shows up late to the first practice where the actual players are outside and they are completely just, you know, picketing and everything. 
But Eddie Martell is the original starting quarterback who is a complete asshole in this movie, and I love it. Um, he belittles uh, Falco, and with the help of a bunch of his teammates, they yell at him for parking in his spot, and they flip his car over. And he just goes to practice pretty much like doesn't even, doesn't even get that mad about it. Um, Annabelle, who is kind of is Falco's love interest throughout this entire shebang, is in charge of finding replacement cheerleaders. I'm assuming she's one of the cheerleaders on the team. And she's struggling to find good cheerleaders, and she just decides to hire all shippers from a ship club nearby, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, she goes outside. She sees Shane's having some car troubles, a.k.a. the car's flipped over, gives him a ride home. We learn she is a god-awful driver, but she's hot and knows a lot about football. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much all of it. She's hot and knows a lot about football. First game starts, team loses on the last play, and uh, he gets some shit from McGinty telling him that, hey, winners want the ball when the game's on the line. That night, they all go out to the local pub, have some drinks, and they run into the actual Sentinel players. Like, so they're taunting the players. Mainly they're making fun of the uh, team's one deaf player, and Falco's not having any, any of it. Two teams end up getting to a big fight. Of course, the replacement players get arrested, but the real players don't get arrested. But throughout the fight, they start finally start to build some chemistry, which they were lacking in the first game in the first week. So with this newfound chemistry this and a little bit of luck, they managed to win the next two games. With one game left in the season on the line, O'Neill, the owner, tells McGinty that Eddie Martell, the, the asshole quarterback, has crossed the picket line and now – wants him to start the next game, even though McGinty still wants to start Falco. A heartbroken McGinty has to go and tell Falco that he's been cut for Martell. Falco takes it pretty well. McGinty reminds Falco that he might be a good player, but he doesn't have something that you have and you have heart. In the final game of the season, Martell is having trouble connecting with the team. So at halftime, one of the reporters goes up to Coach McGinty and asks him, what do they need to win the game? To which he replies, miles and miles of heart, which is meant to a message for Falco. Well, Falco is watching the game, gets the message, shows up in the locker room at halftime. Quickly, we see the Sentinels score twice, cutting the score to 17-14. And for the final play of the game, when it comes back, Falco tells McGinty he wants the ball, so he's ready to take control. Shane throws a touchdown to Murphy, the tight end, wins the game, and the girl. So that's your movie, Ed. A lot going on there. I want to tell the real story of the 1987 okay. player strike and Washington Redskins, because that's who this is based off of. This is short, but after week two, the NFL Players Association went on strike. It was literally end of week two. That was it. They just uh, they were done. Week three actually ended up being canceled, and they played three more weeks with replacement players, including the Washington Redskins, who – did not take any players walking back across the picket line. So the last game of the replacement weeks would have been, what, so three, four, five, six? The Washington Redskins played the Dallas Cowboys, and the entire Cowboys team had crossed. The game was on Monday Night Football, and that Washington Redskins team full of replacement players won the game 13-7. to It was a crazy game. Uh, shortly after, you know, that they, the, everything had already been decided. The players were coming back on Tuesday. The strike was going to end. Some of the players from that Washington team actually stayed on the Redskins. There's a handful, including like, I think the tight end and a few other players. 
that Redskins team went on to win the Super Bowl. There is a really good 30 for 30 called The Year of the Scab that has the whole story. It's really, really good. And I recommend a watch to anybody that's uh, interested in learning more about the story. But that's like the real story. So you, there are some parallels. Uh, they were a little bit different, though. The Washington-Dallas thing was there. Washington wasn't trying to make the playoffs because it was only week six, seven, whatever, when it happened. But that team went up going 11-4 and because they canceled one week of the season and winning the Super Bowl. Some of the players ended up, because they were on the Super Bowl team, ended up getting rings. And I think like a few years ago, and that's why they ended up making the 30 for 30, the Redskins ended up giving rings to a lot of those replacement players. I mean, so, they deserve it. They were on the team. They were on the team for three games and and were part of it. The, and they won. I, I forget how many of those games they won, but that, that important win was the one that um, not beating Dallas was like the crazy, crazy story of it all. I did not know that. Yeah. Really interesting. I mean, I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew it was kind of like loosely based off a true story, but I didn't know like all the – I didn't really look into it or anything. Didn't really look in the back. Yeah, watch that 30 for 30. Um, I'm sure it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime or one of those ones. Really, really good. As they're walking through the, the opening of this movie. I, I said <laughs> something that gets me is that opening scene like of the entire movie when you have Shane at like the houseboat and he starts – his job like scraping the barnacles off yeah. the bone boat. And he finds that old trophy football that happens yep. to be his from like an all American football from like, you know, Oh, I didn't realize it was his. I thought it was just it, something it, he found. It's, in Shane, it's a Shane Falco on an all American. And then he's like, starts baking like he's playing football underwater. Yes. I, was like, I was like, Oh, this is so stupid. Yeah. I, was like, I completely forgot about that scene. Like a hundred percent. I was just like, Oh my God. This so is so do you want to talk about the music now from this movie? Or do you want to wait till you get to the, till later? Uh, which which way we're done with it? Okay, because there's a good there. It's very '90s, and there's including that opening scene. I really like too when they're after that they cut to the real players play, right before they go on strike and they're playing the game where they you find like Martel like slides. He's being right before instead of scoring it could easily have scored a touchdown, but slides because he doesn't want to get hurt. When they're interviewing him and they're talking about like five million dollars. <laughs> Like he's like five million dollars doesn't sound that much, but once you hire a lawyer and everything like that, yeah. and like he comes up from behind, he goes, "Do you know how much a Ferrari costs, motherfucker?" Or something <laughs> yeah. like, "Insurance on a Ferrari costs, motherfucker." Yeah, and they immediately like just cut off. I'm just like, pretty much just showing like you know what rich assholes. Yeah, they're are. they're trying to make them all look like rich assholes. They do an excellent job of it. Yes, they do a very very good job of it. Yeah, I'm gonna cut to the getting the gang together scene. I like that. Yep. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, Ocean's Eleven does it better than anybody, but they they do a nice job with it too. So why don't we run down all the players, Mike, who they are and a little bit of who they are. We had Shane Falco. He's the QB. He's the former quarterback for uh, Ohio State. He was given the nickname Footsteps, I'm guessing because he liked to run the ball maybe. Probably. He's a very mobile quarterback. Left-handed too. I like like the left-handed. I was like that, or maybe he choked when he heard footsteps. That's all I could think of. Could have been <laughs> like, one of those two. But. You know. Oh, well, here you go. As I'm reading my thing. Uh, he was nicknamed footsteps for his failure to compete, complete passes and his tendency to dump the ball quickly to avoid a hit from the defense oh. that he was weak offensive line could not stop. So pretty much he had a shitty offensive line, so he had to like – And they say that he went to – see. he was drafted by Seattle. He mm-hmm. was forced to start right away and probably got the shit kicked out of him and was out of the league within like a year or two. Exactly. And you have your kicker, Nigel. Nigel Gruff. The leg. 
Yep, the leg. Uh, he's a Welsh footballer, and he's pretty much nicknamed the leg because he can kick a uh, soccer ball the entire length of him. Walter Cochran, who's the running back, he's now a minister, but he used he played one game in the pros and blew out his knee, so that he he's getting his second chance at fame. He says all he wants to do is score a touchdown. Earl Wilkinson, aka Ray Smith in the movie. They use his name Ray Smith because they can't use his real name because he's actually a convict. Yes. So he's a former star cornerback and kick returner serving a prison sentence for assaulting police officers. All right. He was allowed to play because he got permission from the governor of Maryland. Yep. And we have Daniel Bateman, AKA Danny, a reserved. He's very chill with normal people. Like, when he's ha- interacting with normal people, but when he's on the fill field, he's just a freaking disaster. And or when he's when he's raiding a, 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 a like looks like meth compound, like yeah, yeah like some sort of drug drug thing. He just goes completely bizarre. Yeah, yeah. he has a switch. He, he there's no dimmer switch on him. It's on or off. I'll I'll put you play on. When when he when he starts freaking out, he sees red. Ed. Yeah, we'll use that because that that's a play on words later on too. But he was he used to play for Michigan State. Um, and now he's a uh, current member of the D.C. SWAT team. Then you have Jumbo, whatever his name is, Fumiko, who's just a Japanese sumo wrestler turned offensive tackle with a passion for eggs. The passion for eggs. <laughs> you got the Jackson brothers, Jamal and Jamal and Andre. Uh, like we said, they're formal offensive guards who were really good at football, actually, but when they – One of them got traded and they kind of yeah. – they, they really relied on each other being by each other and couldn't play without each other. So when we found them, they were bodyguards. And if, I don't know if you recognized the rapper, but it was old dirty bastard. No, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to pick out old dirty bastard out of the lineup anyways, but we got Clifford, Clifford Franklin, Clifford Franklin, who's a stock board, stock boy at a mini Mart who can pretty much outrun anybody, but he can't get shit. <laughs> Then you have Brian Murphy, who's the tight end, tight end who they say would have been a first-round pick had he not been born deaf. Yep. Uh, which ends up playing a pretty major role throughout this entire time. You know, yes, he is. Off. You can tell he's he's got, he's got a very uh, – he was Gronk before Gronk. Pretty much, yeah. Big, white, athletic tight end. And those, those are, for the most part, your players. You have a couple, you know, like the cheerleaders you have. Like you said, you went over – You don't need to get into them. You know, um, can, can I ask a question here? Why do they need to replace the cheerleaders? Why are the cheerleaders striking? And if they know. are striking, why is only one not striking? Well, I was wondering that too. I, I don't know. They never, they never address it. I know they wanted to have a romantic interest for Shane and a little bit of a comic relief with her football knowledge and how she knows all the players. And she's got a friend who's cheers for a different team whose sister's breaking up with a guy so he's a drunk kind of thing like they sneak that line those lines in but they never understood that and they never actually say my assumption is the head coach for washington said i'm not coaching a bunch of replacement players so that's why they went and got jimmy mcginty but they never actually said why the head coach wasn't there either and they had to go get a different head coach yeah they didn't make that no, and they, like, I agree with the cheerleaders too thing because I was just like, why do we even? Why don't you just not have cheerleaders if you're having? Yeah, that you would think it'd just be like, just don't have cheerleaders. Then I, I get it. it. It it added comic relief, but especially the the stripper dancing in the third game, or I think it was the yeah, third game, which is great. 
I love the coaching of their team. I'll be bringing that up here in a minute. I just want to go over it. I wrote down some of what I, I wanted to just uh, <laughs> jot down. He's just awesome. talk about a few of the other characters like that we like Edward O'Neill, who's the owner, is Jack Warden. Jack Warden, I think he's from like uh Problem Child, maybe or something like that. He's like the, the grandfather uh, from Problem Child. Yeah, that sounds about that. right. Let me look him up while you're I think that's who he is. Because I you know, I recognize him. He's just an older guy, you know, haven't seen him in yeah. much really since this actually. But you said Jimmy McGinty, yeah, Gene Hackman. He was the former head coach before getting a second chance now. Um, and you said Eddie Martell is Brett Collin, who's been in a couple of things, Nothing, never like a standout actor, but always seems to do pretty good for what he is. But he's the regular quarterback for the Washington Sentinels. He's also a two-time Super Bowl winner that we find out during the movie. Um, I can't remember the one. Co- Baines is Art Lafleur. Yeah. And the pill uh, – Pilikowski is the big yeah. fat one. Look at that mamma jamma. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's one, he's, they're both just like the coaching staff. And I just wanted to toss in, you know, that we have, you know, John Madden and Pat Summerall portraying themselves doing commentary, yeah. which I really liked. I really enjoyed that part of it where how they just talked. Them in. Yeah, they were, I actually wrote down a, a thing that Madden says later that actually was pretty good. Okay, so a little, little bit on Jack Warden. Jack Warden died in uh, July 19th, 2006. The last movie he made was The Replacements. I forgot. He's Pops in the movie Dirty Work. And he's hilarious mm-hmm. in that. Uh, he was in Problem Child 2. But his he's more famous for his original work, which was 12 Angry Men and Heaven Can Wait. And bullets over Broadway, like movies he made back in the day. Yeah. So they get all these players. I like how Clifford Franklin, when they're showing up to the stadium and they're like breaking the windows and throwing egg and chicken, he's like, he's got the old disposable camera trying to take pictures of everybody and like knows who every player is. And it's just like so, so excited to meet them pretty much, even though like they hate him. And then that's when you see Big Fukumo where he's like, look at this mamma jamma. And then my favorite, one of my favorite is when he hits the the sled and he knocks over LaFleur and he's like, good hit, sumo boy. Now get this thing off me. And then that's when he has one of my favorite lines. Yeah. That'll do, pig. That'll do. Yeah, Screw you, cockroach. You'll have to find your dick first. <laughs> the shamble part. I know in the background you still hear Art LaFleur yelling, get this off me, sumo boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or, like, during the practice, like, how Bateman just keeps fucking up Falco. D- Danny Bateman, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. He's my least favorite character in the... He's your least favorite? He's a he's obnoxious. Oh, I love him in this movie. Oh, I can't stand him. He's so annoying. There's, like, essentially nothing more than a mix between a bull and a monkey. Oh, I, I like him in this. I just love him when he, hit, when he hits oh, me. He's I like, oh, yeah. Him. I just see that red. <laughs> and like when he hits him back, because he gets jacked up again because he's checking out his girl by Bateman. He's like, oh, shit. I, I keep forgetting about the whole red shirt. This is getting confusing, man. Yeah. And he's like, red means stop. He's like, like a stoplight? He's like, yeah. yeah like he, he goes light, to huh? help him up and he goes, I'm just going to lay here. He's like, yeah, figure your shit out. <laughs> figure some shit out, yeah. 
We can discuss her insane her insane driving. It's just nobody drives like that. It's not real. Nobody drives like that. No. No. She is. She is. It, I love that he's kind of panicking, and she is completely calm. Uh, I know. Um, I'll tell you right now that one of my favorite scenes, though, is the like when they're at lunch. Japanese oh, Chinese no. like conversation. He's like, it's all the same. He's like, you do know China and yeah. Japan are different <laughs> countries. Oh, I love that. That and then the, the brother Andre stands up and he goes. Nigel starts yelling, "Yo, can't you know? Let's let's not fight over this." He goes, "Yeah, just listen to the Mick." And he goes, "I'm bloody Welsh." And he just grabs him by the face. He goes, "What <laughs> ever?" And just pushes him down. He's like, and then I love how he there guys like. I'm going to sit with the deaf kid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, and then because immediately following, then you immediately go and you have Clifford going over to Wilkinson. Oh my God, you're Earl Wilkinson. You used to play for, yeah, I knew it, man. You used to play for like Minnesota. He's like, you would have yeah, right. been all pro if you would have beat up all them cops. <laughs> allegedly, because he puts the butter knife <laughs> to his throat. He's like, allegedly. He's like, allegedly. And I will use that, I will use that line in day to day conversation. They'll say, you know, oh, so and so did this. I go allegedly, allegedly, and no one. I'm gonna go ahead and already toss this out here, just because I think it's great how they have Earl Wilkinson coming out of prison, but in real life, the guy who plays Earl Wilkinson murdered his wife, and he's in prison right now. Yeah, and he's in prison. That was in my my facts later. I, yeah. just, I remember I was like, I read about that, and I was just like, oh shit, I did not know that. In in the in one of the ultimate forms of art or life imitating art, Michael Jace, I think that's his name, right? Uh, yeah, Michael Jace, who plays Earl Wilkinson and was in prison, went to prison for murder. I think it's two years ago, and he's serving 40 years in prison. Let's get into the oh, games. Yeah. Game Because uh, Jumbo Fumuko eating about two dozen hard-boiled eggs. Ugh. The whole vomiting on the field thing, I don't know. I didn't find that that entertaining. Like, I got the point of it, them fighting over who stands where in the huddle, and then... The first time they actually do anything is they all move in unison oh. to get away from how the do, vomit. How do, you, how do you skip the very beginning when Bateman runs out, trips over that like wire and tackles him? Okay, so <laughs> I, I have I have a, a major problem with that. They show all <laughs> the players. Sorry, I have to talk about this. One of my favorite parts is right after he gets up, he's walking past the camera, and does a little like Heisman pose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does give a little. He's a little. I laughing out loud. I was like, I completely forgot about it. It is. It is pretty funny. He does that. That is pretty cute because he's not cute, but just pretty funny. He just stops and does his little <laughs> stupid little like awkward like little. little dance. Dance. I don't even think it's correct, but it's just like kind of like it. <laughs> no, but what drives me nuts is they they go to pull that rope. They're standing in the fucking parking lot. How in the world do they pull that rope? All the way from the I, parking I don't know, lot, I don't know. and nobody notices. I think anything. what they were doing was they show him wrapping it around his hand, the cord, and then they show the cord up across. I think that that wants you to think that they have set this cord up already, pre-set it up before the guys ran out. I know that part, but nobody noticed anything. Anything? No, I know. I, I, I know. <laughs> I, I, it was... drives me nuts every time I see it. And then I do laugh when Bateman stands up and does his little move. But, like, how in the world? they? I'm not even going to get to the semantics of it because television, well, not at that point, but television is at least on some form of a delay. So when they went to run out, they wouldn't have even been able to pull it in time. 
I'm just trying to look too, too much into it. But I know. there, there's So there's a lot of ridiculousness, but there are some pretty good-looking plays that Falco runs. And that's something I'm going to give a lot of credit to this movie. And, and I read about it. They had two people that were on this um, that wanted to make the plays as realistic as possible so the characters could be the comedy and the football could be the football. Mm-hmm. So they, and I think they did a really good job with that because that they're calling plays that sound like real plays. They're running plays that look like real plays. Um, you know, the only play that's kind of ridiculous is that's in a, a different game. So we'll wait till that, that happens later. But, but in general, like they actually run some realistic looking plays. Yeah, they do a pretty good job. I'm wondering if, like, maybe they have, like, you know, when they're shooting the play from, like, a faraway distance, whether they have, like, actual, like, fake linemen that are in there, you know, like, running the plays and stuff like that. I tried to look into that, and there's there's a fact I have about Keanu Reeves later, um, about him as playing quarterback, because this the second time he played a quarterback, he did it in point break also. But the point break, he only has like a – they kind of reference him as it. Mm-hmm. And there is like the one scene where they're playing. But other than that, it's very different in this movie because it's all centered around it. So um, the other thing is the the part – well, do you have anything up until he calls the audible? No, they got tons of stuff. Oh, okay. Then go ahead, because that, that that's the last thing I want to talk no. about is the audible. You're talking about the puke and how I, I go. I kind of liked it because it's so ridiculous how they like wrap their hands around each other and move the huddle. They could just walk away, you know, like all as a group, just like all right, everybody, we're going to take ten steps to the right, you know, like over here and just move over a little bit. For the record, that absolutely was the way of game. Oh, definitely that that play. I like how too just like they're just yeah. like. In, they've they have negative ten yards of playing like, of yeah of, of yards so far. Um, but I love when they're on defense, the first round defense, and Bateman just you know can't hold himself back and just jumps across the <laughs> jacks to keep you up. Like, yeah. he, he's just so jacked up, and then the next guy who grabs me just turns around and like punches them. <laughs> yeah, and then they immediately score a touchdown. The- so they're like they're down immediately. Immediately, yes. And then that's like surely after that, that's when you have the whole like. Um, they're like, this is the first thing they've done as a team when they move the huddle together. Yeah, and then they move the ball a little bit, and and I believe that's when they get the field. Yeah, goal, right? and Nigel's smoking the sig right before he runs out of the field. Yeah. Um. Also, like, because after he makes the field goal, who goes running after him? <laughs> Bateman. He just freaking jacks him up. Um. Falco needs to learn to hold on the ball Did, that much. He fumbles twice in this game. He does, but he gets jacked up, so he gets at least some credit for it. A lot of, I don't. He wouldn't be able to play nearly as much in today's football because he would have definitely been under concussion protocol several times. Well, that and it's like they're like, we know he can take a hit. I'm like, well, he can take a hit and hold on to the damn ball. He can take a hit and get back up. That doesn't mean he can hold on to the ball. I love it too when they're like, need the ball at the end of the game. He's like, Danny, I need the ball. He's like, give me the ball. I'm going to get you the ball. Yeah, that, that's that's where it really starts to bother me. Like, he's he's not, he's like a. But then when he gets the ball back, 
they're going so into their back. That he's like, dumb. I got you the ball. You got me the ball. I got you the yeah. ball. And then they just sit there and they get quiet. And he's like, all right, go sit down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I don't know. It just it bothers me, I guess. I think it's a little over the top for me. Doesn't didn't bother me one bit. I enjoyed it. It's a little too water boy for me, I think. That's why. Um, but no, go ahead to your audible there, Ed. So the, the audible he calls, the, the fact that he calls an audible was actually very realistic. Because if you were ready to call a play and it looked like a safety blitz was going to blow it up, you, the a quarterback would audible. However, However it definitely would not have worked because it was a brand new team and nobody knew what anything was. Well, I, so calling an audible with a brand new team that doesn't know all your audibles would have been a major well, problem. My issue is is that he audibles to a run play when they are clearly like 25, 30 yards away. Absolutely agree to that. And it's not like they had time to run a run and then call timeout and run another yeah. play. Um. It was a bad move calling the audible, but it was a uh, a worse move calling an audible to a run. If he like, if anything, a real play would have been he would have called a line, like a zone blocking audible for the line instead, and then they would have still run the same play. But so he blows it. They go to the bar and get messed up, and I go to the bar and get messed I, up. I do. I do enjoy this scene, even though like I like. This is why I said Martel does such a good job. When he is in there and walks in and he's ripping on the deaf tight end, like I actually feel myself he, getting pissed off. Yes, you feel angry. I'm angry, and I'm like, I want to punch this guy yeah. in the face. He, I love that little. He stands up and does the asshole, <laughs> like the asshole, like uh, the the yeah, the, the sign language. The for one asshole. good thing about being deaf is you can't hear the assholes talk. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. That's a move, Nave and I to this day will do. Just asshole, like <laughs> the little uh, hand asshole move. I, I also love, but uh, this, this is probably why you you hate it. But I, I liked it whenever they, when Falco's like talking to him, like trying because he's finally had enough. He's drunk. You can tell that he's drunk. He's like walking up a little woozy. Cut to Danny in the back, just chugging an entire bottle of tequila. <laughs> yeah. like, Remember what I told you about red shirts? You can forget about it because Martel's wearing a red shirt. He's like, the red shirt, okay. Yeah. Just freaking but, yeah, he, is he really that dumb that he's just like, okay, I'll do whatever. I, mean, I, don't think, he's I, I, I think he he understood the, you know, like he's wearing the uh, reference, but I think yeah. it's just when he's on the field, you know, he's like you said, he sees red. But that bar for like everybody's fighting everybody except you see Clifford Franklin hiding behind like the, like the boombox yelling at people exactly, like acting like it. Like you said, of course, the good the good guys, our guys, win the fight, but the bad guys don't end up in jail. Yeah, because they have the money and they know the people, and so they stay out of jail. This this scene's pretty dumb. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, the, the dance scene really doesn't do it. They're dancing to the electric slide, singing, "I will survive," and the fact they pull it out at the end of the movie also is dumb too. You know. Like I get it's the it's their thing. It's they start getting along a little bit. But at first I admit I was afraid. I was petrified. Hell, I was even petrified. But yeah, that's just a little bit ridiculous. Um Oh, I got to get into the yam stuff she gives him, the wild yam. <laughs> I have to get into the wild yam. house to check up on 
her hot man meat. Her hot, ma- her hot, hot man, man meat. meat to rub some yeah. some wild yam on him. And I was like, yeah, because well, she knew he got in the fight, and she knew he got his ass kicked in the game. So she rubs this nasty wild yam shit on him that she just happens to be carrying around with her. I, I, I bet, dude, it works out perfectly because that next scene when he's pulling up and yeah. shows up again, and the, but this time. The two brothers, uh, Jamal and Andre, are out there. And they gonna, shoot up. They the... shoot up his like Porsche or whatever kind of car he's got. Just like this is your guy. Just and they make his the other players um, flip the car back over. <laughs> and the one yeah. guy's like, "Ooh, what's that smell?" He goes, "It's wild yam." He's like, "That's yeah. nice." <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yes, they're just walking in. I love the immediately they cut to the the fat coach going. So anybody has any firearms, <laughs> just turn them in. No questions asked. <laughs> And they're all just laughing. There's a quick scene that so if you see the the Jamal the the brother with the that shoots up the car the ouch band aid he has yeah he, the ouch band aid on the band aid it says ouch I think that's so funny. No, I, did too. I had literally just had that like, in bold just like nothing next to it just says ouch band aid yeah. ouch band aid yeah no re- no one ever says anything about it just a little <laughs> thing they snuck in there. one of the things Susan are talking about like their fears and he's like spiders he's like. Yeah. Did you mean like spiders on the field? Spiders on the field. Thanks. You could just rock me to sleep tonight. Andre or whatever. He's like, bees. Bees. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. But um, it's like, anybody have anything non insect related? <laughs> and then the, the quick sign, the quicksand quote actually is pretty good. It's um, not just in sports, but in life. And just like the, you just keep fighting and things keep getting worse. Sometimes that does happen. Yeah. Just nothing, it's a little, it's deep. Right. It's deep. That's a little deep there by by Falco. Yeah, deep line. Well, I was to say, like, what are you afraid of? He's like going back to the the auto plant, the shipping yard. And he goes prison. Yeah, yeah, because they all know they have to go back to their regular lives, and this is over. Yeah, and I think, and whenever uh, Wilkinson says prison, there everybody's just kind of like that. Kind of really hit home for them. Like, oh yeah, like this guy yeah. got here, like having oh, fun, yeah. enjoying his time here. But you know, after you know, in a couple of weeks, there's reality in a couple yeah. games left. Yeah. And he makes a good point. Like you, you get a tight ass when you're worried about fucking things up. And in sports, sometimes you have to walk a fine balance between trying to stay as disciplined as possible, but still trying to play loose, like gripping the baseball bat too hard or too tight, it messes up your swing. This, this is this is your uh, this game that they have now is this has got my coach in it, here, man. Yes, it is this one. It is the second game. I was thinking the third game. It was the second game, yeah. The third game's pretty short, yeah. So let's start out with number one. Um, Let Morris buy? Let Morris buy is – I like that he did it. The ball was in the air way too long, and the fat guy scoring the touchdown – it was funny they did the fat guy dance thing and Madden commenting about getting the fat guy dance, Mm -hmm. but the ball is in the air too long. Like, if you hit someone in the helmet like that, it should have just popped kind of right to him. Uh, if it was in the air that long, I don't think it would have. Um, it's fine. It popped up in the air. I didn't really even tell you the truth. I didn't blink an eye for that long. It was it, it was a little bit too much varsity blues. No, that was that was, for me. That, that reminded <laughs> me of. It reminded me of Remember the Titans. Let them through. Except, they did, except through. they did it better in Remember the Titans. I don't know. This one's pretty good. Spiking them right in the face of the football is pretty good. Sunshine knocking the guy out of the game is pretty good. Yeah, Sunshine knocking the guy out of the game was really good. But um, and his name was Sunshine. Sunshine. And uh, I think did they come out the same year? 
Were they both 2000? Mm. I think I think Remember the Titans was 2001. No, they're both in the same year. So Remember the Titans came out September 29th. They came out like three weeks after, or what, six weeks after this. Yeah. Fat guy spiking a fat guy dance. Yep. But it's one of my favorite favorite things coming up, though, is the sexy cheerleader dance with. The sexy cheerleader dance. The coach. I love when he yells. Fucking slap the other in the ass. (laughs) And he's just another one. He's just like. He just goes, that's bullshit. The one girl slapped the other girl in the ass. Stop them from shaking their ass for two minutes. (laughs) Um, So that coach is one of the two people that was like the actual football consultant they brought in. So I'm glad they they let him have one of the funniest scenes in the movie is him just losing his shit about it. The this this again it's it's really dumb and they kind of don't really they they show it in the fourth game a little bit of the girls dancing but they never really talk about it again for the rest of the movie. It was either it's either something they should have had it like each game or just like let it go. But what I was gonna say is that is that I noticed during this game this is like, this game because like Wilkinson just shows that he's the best athlete on the team. Oh yeah, this is when you really show he shows how good he is. Yeah, but he gets the pick. Yeah, the kicks re- returning kicks. And even in the last game, he's playing running back for a while too. I mean, he's yeah, yeah. After play. after what's his face goes yeah, down, he's he's by the best um, athlete on the team. But and anyway, yeah. he looks like an athlete too. Like he looks like that. Oh yeah, professional football. He looks like a guy yeah. I love the, I love they did the the dark visor because they have to obviously hide his face, but he looks badass with that dark yeah. visor. Yeah. He looks, oh. So, anything up to the onside kick? Because I got to get into that. Uh, no, it's like literally. It's, oh, I have next to mine. Is that the onside kick? Is how? I know it's a movie, but I know it's a movie, <laughs> we're just gonna say it right here. Instead of doing it at the end, I've I know it's a movie, but all sprinkled throughout this. He was a walk on for Michigan State. He understands what an onside kick is. He understands that this situ- he should understand the situation. Yeah, you can't. So a couple things. Couple couple things. I do. I do, I do enjoy Zero. the fact that. I was going to say a couple things. Number one, 0% chance you have the QB on on an onside kick. doesn't matter. You would never risk him getting hurt. Don't even care. I know it's timing, whatever. It's Falco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two, as soon as the player from the kicking team touches the ball, the play goes dead. You cannot advance it. So as soon as he grabbed the ball, the ball would have been dead. And number three, I don't know. Falco tackles him, then calls timeout. You don't need to call timeout. It's a dead play. Ball would have been dead. You can't, you can't, you can't, advance, the ball. You can't advance the ball on an onside kick? No. Either way. If, the, if it's an onside kick, the other team – like, if it's an onside kick and the guy runs up and grabs it and takes off – Could I, you in 2000? I don't think so. I think that's been, that's been a thing for a long time. Like, as soon as the ball is grabbed, the, the ball is dead, and the clock stops. I did not know that. Yeah. So that it, it made for a funny scene, especially with Falco hitting him and knocking him over. That well, is I funny. Him, but I love when, he, when he's like, nice hit, yeah, Shane. Yeah. Nice hit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Again, Danny Bateman, just like a mentally – he has an IQ of like 74. Like he's yeah, just, he's, just, he's just a psychopath. He is. He is a psychopath. All right, so that's it for game two. Well, what about the 65-yard struggle by Nigel? Oh, 60-yard so struggle by Nigel. Let's on the field this time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nigel, Nigel kicking the 64. And then Bateman chasing him again. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, he has to run away from him. But I like I liked after the game when Falco goes to 
Annabelle's work. That's what I was going to say, because that actually kind of leads right into number I, three. I don't really like the whole conversation between them the whole time, but I like when he's getting ready to leave and he comes back to, like, go talk to her. They do, like, the whole, like, little football commentary. And they bring and in like, the police and every every breath you take by the police. Yeah. Beautiful. It was, like, a perfect place for that song. And, the, yeah, the, over, the, the talk what, over what with the commentary. Like, you go for it, Matt. He's like, but, but Falco's been shut down by this defense all afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> all it takes is one big play to get him back in the ball game. Yep. And there goes Falco. Yep. Falco scores. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was pretty good, how they laid that over I, like that. I just knew my face when that was happening. Yeah. I was like, I wish that happened in my life. <laughs> so after they explain the whole play, Madden says my favorite line uh, from him in the whole movie. He goes, Welcome to strike football. <laughs> I think it's it's like the perfect way they put it. There's that, and then we're can we can we get into Clifford Franklin here? The, the I mean his little giants moment. Yes, that's exactly what I wrote down. They stole the thing <laughs> from the little giants. Although I don't remember the kid and the little giants looking at the coach and go, looking at Rick Moranis and saying, "Coach, it looks like I just jacked off an elephant." Although that would have been awesome. <laughs> This doesn't look natural. <laughs> that 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 line is is pretty great. Well, but, that when he the, the thing pissing me off is when you actually look at the first play, he's wide open, drops the ball. Second play, he throws it into double coverage. He can't credit. He's got the stick and he catches it. But then obviously it's like he can't hand the ball back to the ref. Yeah, there would have been some major red flags right there. That's one of those. I know it's a movie. But, I know it's a movie, but I have one. I have one or two more of those left. But uh, that's I love when they go to the locker room afterwards. Yeah. So I'll say Clifford Franklin's funny in the locker room. Him getting stuffed in the locker is funny, but Nigel is hilarious. Oh, he's just like, ole, 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 <laughs> everybody. Yep. And I love when he, he's just standing there in his underwear with a helmet on, smoking a cigarette yep. with a beard. And he's like, cheers, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great. He's like, cheers, bitch. Yeah. So you, you already brought up a lot of this that, and kind of explained it. Uh, Martel Cross. Well, that's the end of game three. So game yeah. four, Martel crosses. Do you think Shane Falco would have not shown up to dinner with Annabelle? Here's my thing is, you know, he's always been a loner with that. With the other thing, too, is that, yeah, he made plans with this chick. But, you know, his, his he's just he could easily forgotten about it. You know, I, I don't think it's forget. I think it was shame. I really do think it is, that's what it is, is he's kind of ashamed and he doesn't want to go sit there and and have to sit with her and talk about it. I think that's why he kind of didn't want to show up. He was he was enjoying his time back in the game. He was depressed and just didn't want to be around people. When yeah, didn't want to be reminded of it. He wanted to go sit on his boat he, and drink. He could have easily just been like giving her a call over there and been like, hey, this is what happened. Like, I'm just going to kind of like. Yeah. Can I can we can we just do this another night? It's like if you'd been smart, you would have done that because she would have driven over to your boat and probably sucked you off. Yeah, something. They, they would. She would have. It would have been a lot of sympathy going on in there. Uh, My main thing is: is there a backup QB in this entire that's thing? Exactly what I've written down. <laughs> he would still be so the like, backup quarterback. Like, well, fine. If Marti, Martel's the starter. Yeah. What happens if he gets goes down and gets hurt? Yeah. You still need a backup. Exactly. Wouldn't you want your better player to be the backup? Don't, like, don't, there were. Remember when Falco shows up? There's other quarterbacks throwing the ball, including the one that goes to uh, the tight end before Falco even shows up. So there are other backup quarterbacks that they tried out. So I guess there would have been people there, but wouldn't you want to keep Falco just to be the backup? I don't know. I am. Hundred percent agree, Ed. I've been. I, it's one of the first things I said the whole time. I was just like, 
why wouldn't he still want to be there? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. So uh, among the Eddie Martell being a douchebags, one weird scene to me is there's the play where he kind of leaves the hangs the tight end out to dry. I keep calling the tight end. I keep forgetting his name. Murray, right? Yeah. No, Murphy. Sorry, Brian Murphy. He he leaves. He hangs Murphy out the dry and he gets drilled. And they cut to the cheerleader he was hanging out with at the bar the night before at the party. Yeah. And she doesn't even flinch. So why even show it? Like, it's not like she's concerned about this guy that she obviously hooked up with the night before. Just show him getting hit. Which I don't know how we didn't talk about that. How like he's like gives her like sound language like you have a pretty face and nice hair and you know you look good yeah and she just does like the um like the blow yeah I'm gonna I'm like, gonna blow you yeah the side of her mouth like, like <laughs> yeah I'm gonna suck your dick and he's just like yeah. what he's like yeah she's like, we yeah, here. you're gonna get yeah. it to me. <laughs> yeah <laughs> good point good point <laughs> I just I just like I'm like oh how did we miss that part <laughs> oh, yeah somehow I forgot about that part so a- after Martell is a douche and we get to halftime. Yep. He he's he's obviously being a complete douche in the locker room. And you get the the McGinty thing that says you know, they don't have any heart. So let's get let's understand this. Halftime is 20 minutes from the time they walk off to the time they have to be back on the field. Mm. I don't think he would have gotten to the stadium gotten to the lock gotten through security gotten in the lock oh the security's probably pretty like i think they're in the locker i think they're in the locker room for 20 minutes so you have like you probably have 10 he probably had 30 minutes i bet okay so let's call it 30 minutes to get all that done and get changed assuming they had all his stuff waiting for him don't think he would have made it in time i know it's a movie but don't think he would have i I said i go he did definitely get over there and get ready fast you know yeah and I'm not even going to get into the warm up or any of that because he just comes in cold, but he's all wound up. So, well, the other thing too is like Martel, he looks freaking old as hell. He does. He looks very he looks, old. He looks 45 years old, you know, at least, you know, like it's like, geez, you look old. Yeah. Um, but my thing too is, is that like, would they start him? He hasn't practiced in how long. He hasn't practiced with any of these players that they have on the team. I don't even know why the owner would want him to start. The owner would have wanted him to start because he would have thought it would have probably sold seats, but different, different coach, you know, and all that stuff, you know, it's like, yeah. Different. And why did, why did he cross and no one else? They were all his buddies hanging around him. You would think they would have gotten more people to cross. I hear you. Ed. Yeah. We have to get into every player on the team would have been kicked off of the field. <laughs> I, I had everything. <laughs> now they try and make it first and 45, first and 55. <laughs> In the NFL, if a team commits two 15-yard penalties, now that when one is that that egregious, they probably would have compiled them. But in general, it's usually like if there's two personal foul penalties on one play at the same time, it's usually just they, they just only take one of them. So it only really would first and 35, but they just make it like first in your own goal line. Hey, he seems to be necking with that cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do, throw him in football jail? I just, oh, no, that – I just no, like what are they gonna do? Kick him off the team. Think, or something kick like him that. off. Kick him off the team. The football jail was the coach. I just jacked off an elephant. I, I was laughing because uh, I just because I use necking. You know, it's just like, yeah, like a term, definitely a term like my parents would use. Oh yeah, that's a very very old uh, old school term. That I feel like after I heard it, like I'm gonna start using that. Some and bring that. Back. Uh, so the screen pass. 
No, I'm not going to lie, though. I love when they just beat the shit out of Dallas' team, though. <laughs> Even though I know that, that, that there's no way that it would happen, like, and they would all be kicked off the team and all be ejected. Yes. But it was, it was fun to watch. It was fun to watch. But, yes, full-on ejection for everybody. The long screen pass and him hurting his knee. Yeah. He's laying, in the, he's laying in there like he's dying. A little bit, little bit overdramatic. I feel bad he hurt his knee. He's like, Dad, did I score, Shane? You you win this game for me, man. It's like, come on, come on. It's also the you're not dead. You're not dead. You, you blow out your knee. knee What's that? It was also the second time he's hurt his knee too, and he's you know, also the second time, and he knows his career is over. But yeah. it was pretty much over, anyways. So from there, the two long drives they put together are very very realistic. Again, yeah. back to what I said before. It's like it's marching down the field. It's chunks of yards it's not like up oh, we're just going to run a random play and that's that and then we're going to do this like they actually run like real plays and have real routes and the ball being thrown and falco scrambling and all that so kudos to them that the football in this movie is very good i said i do like how they didn't even really put a backup running back in they put wilkinson in just because they knew he was the best like athlete on the field pretty much yeah and they're like it, just and- just and Bate, they just knew Bateman was an animal too, like someone trying to yeah, like let Bateman get in front of him, run some like they literally said like give it to Wilkinson, he's going to jail. I like <laughs> that was a nice line. They did like that. He's like give it to him. He's going to jail. Yeah. I love it. So little, he scores. Uh, I did like that they had Bateman makes a big stop on third and one instead of having ridiculous him ripping the ball out of the guy's hand again. Like very realistic. Make him punt. Now I will say there's two things. One, they would have just punted that ball out of bounds. They never would have punted it and risked a long return. They just would have the guy said, kick it as far as you can and get it out of bounds. And secondly, when he goes to – he stops, he cuts, and he turns back, there's an illegal block in the back immediately, like as soon as he starts running back the other way. It's really bad. It's back when they used to actually miss calls and stuff like that. Yeah. A lot more. I have three things to say, Ed. Okay. Pain heels, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. Yes. Yes. Fantastic line. Why does Shane always have his fucking helmet off? Isn't that a fucking penalty? He's, he's in the it is with now. Him. It wasn't he, back he's, before. He's, he's in the huddle, though, like calling the play with his helmet off. Like, I feel yeah. like. The, it used to be. It wasn't until uh, the infamous. There was a Cowboys 49ers game in the mid 2000s. It was like Terrell Owens and Emmett Smith, essentially. Because Emmett Smith used to take his helmet off after every touchdown. And then there was a big deal because Terrell Owens, like after he scored a touchdown, ran out to the middle of the star in the center of, and and, like did like the, like opened his arms up and leaned back. Like Jesus was looking down on him. And then he did it again. I think he scored like two touchdowns in that game. And Emmett Smith essentially ran out and drilled him. And then later Emmett Smith scored and ran like up to the middle of the star and like took his helmet off and slammed it down. So the next year, they made it a penalty if you take your helmet off on the field. That was like the whole the game that caused it. I got that in uh, the infamous. I don't know if you remember Kyle Turley. He was the I know exactly. left tackle I know, for the I know, Saints. I know exactly. And he took his helmet off and just whipped it after like a bad holding penalty or something. And that was that was like that might have been like the same year, but it was around the same time. But we're almost at the end uh, of the game here. We're almost at the end of the game here. So stuff. I'm going to say this: I don't think Nigel would have been able to see those guys in the stands. 
I know they're like four rows back and maybe he spotted him earlier, but it's really hard if you're on the field to look up in the stands and see anybody and actually like pick anybody out. No, no, that's what I'm saying. He definitely probably had seen them and knew that they were there before. They probably contacted him before the game. Probably. Oh yeah. I mean, they obviously did. Went to the game to like put a little more fear in him. So then he looked over just, I'm, I can't make the field goal. I have to miss it. You know, this play would have been cool. If there wasn't, if Falco wouldn't have had that guy up on him and he threw him off and then ran it in, like if he would have just gone out to the outside and just even him versus the linebacker all the way in and he jumped in, I think I would have liked that play up a lot more. But it's a little bit ridiculous that that uh, a, an NFL, a professional level linebacker is going to go up on a quarterback and just get thrown off like that. that. It's Dallas's starting linebacker against. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's a professional level linebacker. So you know. I, I I agree with that too. That I when I saw that I was just like, mm, you know. However, the play they run after that is really really good. They make yeah. up for it. That's a very cool looking play. The fade where the tight end hasn't even turned his head yet and he just hits him perfect. Like it hits him, he does like a nice little like perfect like buries the slide and through the end zone. That was really good. I, w- I wish they would have had just a little bit of a different way to get the holding penalty. They, you can see the flag get thrown, by the way, when Falco runs around the end. Mm-hmm. The, you see the flag go behind him. Yeah, one other thing I'm going to say, they really – I feel like that center got downplayed. The center is the most important player on the offensive line. Really the most important player on the offense other than the quarterback. And he never gets any love. You even get a, a nice face shot of him right before Falco gives his speech. And the left tackle. Now, granted, the right tackle was the blind side, but the left tackle is normally the more important offensive football player. The the center, the very first game, when they're in the huddle and he, like, gets hit in the head and, like, knocked out, he's the one player that, like, one of the players, other, he's the guy that actually helps Falco up. And, like, he says, he has a, he has said something to them, like, you got knocked out by your own player. Like, uh, that might have been what Clifford Franklin says. He's right next to him. He's just, like, Come on, buddy, like get up and like helps him up and he's like laughing. So yeah. Like, Who is this guy? Like he has a line, like somebody else has a line in this movie, like on the other team. I also love too, I forget about this when Richard Franklin's like lining up and like asking the guy for an autograph. Yeah, for his autograph. <laughs> he just rips him apart. <laughs> Again, he stomps on his chest <laughs> and don't say anything. He, he grabs him at the line, picks him up and slams him on the ground too. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't get away with that either. That's the, the slamming on the ground. I could have seen like them letting him get away with it once because it looked like just kind of a hard hit, and he got under him. But then he sl- he steps on his chest would have been really bad. That would have made it a lot worse. Uh, that that that's all I've got from a scene yeah. per- scene perspective for it. What are your thoughts on the movie there? Ed? Well, number one, obviously a sports movie, and we started to get into this with the Sandlot, and then we moved into we. Um, when we did a Knight's Tale, two movies back, we declared the Knight's Tale is a sports movie. This is definitely a sports movie. It we're gonna is make it, we I think we need to slowly develop a list of here are the rules for making a sports movie. But more importantly than anything, the most important and dra- dramatic scene in the movie must take place as part of the sport. I I don't necessarily think that that has to be a rule. Like I actually think when you talk about Sandlot, it's like a half and half. It's like a half sports movie and a half like talking about growing up as a kid. Yeah, coming of age movie. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but again, I I would. If someone asked me if it's a sports movie, I'd be like, yeah, it's still a sports movie. I know we kind of say no, but the more and more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? 
Well, okay. So the two, the most, the most important, the most dramatic, the most important and dramatic scene is not anything. It's not the sport. It's if it's anything, it's Benny getting chased by the dog. The most remember. I was gonna say the next thing is probably the most memorable scene from the movie should also involve the sport, and it doesn't. It involves them at the swimming pool. Well, and my most, my best scene here is. Um, not during a football game. All right. Well, what's your best scene? I'm going to get back um, to the music in a second, but what would, what would be your best scene? My best scene would be the uh, when they're at lunch, I think. <laughs> really? Would be my favorite scene. So I have two it's, of them. It's just, just everything that goes on right there between them. I just think it's hilarious. It is, that it is would, quite funny. That, or, that I said the other scene would probably be the uh, that will do pig scene, like during oh. the practice. <laughs> That's a good one too. I was gonna say um, the fear spiders quicksand scene because that's really funny, and then that kind of that final driver, final couple drives, that kind of the the second half of the last game I think is really really good. But we got to get back to the music in this movie. Jay, you wanted to talk about that? Yeah. Go ahead. So the list it's very 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 nineties. Okay. Some of the songs you hear in the opening scene it is Ziploc bag by Lit. I know. I remember. I remember. Like I was kind of like listening to that when he's underwater, like playing football by himself. I'm like, this is the song you chose. Like, yeah. Kind of... And that song's been in my head for like a week. As soon as we started talking about this movie, the song immediately popped in my head. The ending scene is "Heroes" by The Wallflowers, a very good song and a really, a really good placement of it. Additional songs you hear: "The Police," "Every Breath You Take," which we've brought up, and then two different times you hear. Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter, which was extremely 90s. And then both times Nigel makes a kick, you hear Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and the Hunky Bunch. Mm. Also, the early 90s. So a lot of 90s music going on, but good music selections. No, yeah, I, I, I do like the, uh, the music selections. Yeah, very, very well done. Very well done with the music. Anything else on the, on the additional thoughts on this movie? Um, I, I just said I go. It's just it's one of those movies that just I feel like when it come when it's on TV, like like I said, I've cut cable so I don't have it now. But when it comes on the TV, like I'm gonna leave it on and watch it. Yeah, at least part of the movie. It's that it's it's just an, it's enjoyable. It's easy to watch. I see, and I guess now part of it is whenever I'm doing things, I like to watch a movie that I've already seen, and on top of it, a movie that I know. It's funny, like I'll be doing something like watching just something, and it's like if I'm watching this movie and I know what scene's coming up, like I'll stop watching just run out. <laughs> you know, like watch the scene I'm gonna watch, then run back and be like, I this I know this other scene's kind of a little not as much fun, so I'll like do dishes for the next five minutes. While while back. it's running through. Yeah. All right. What would be your worst scene in the movie? I put down the opening scene where he's like underneath the water playing the whole vibe. <laughs> uh fair enough. I'm gonna say when they do the dancing in the prison. That is uh, it's pretty dumb. It's, it is pretty dumb. I know, I know what they're doing. They're they're trying to show that the teams starting to gain camaraderie and yeah. Up that. But doing the dancing to the electric slide in prison, singing um, I, will "I Will Survive" is not quite it. Not exactly the manliest thing they could have bonded over. But again, that's kind of why it's supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. All right, I I already did all my know it's a movie, but because I already did all my complaints. <laughs> uh, do you have any additional ones you want to add in though? Um, oh, just one thing that I noticed. So it just kind of reminded me of a different movie when Clifford Franklin's in the end zone when he scores that touchdown. He starts 
shooting all the teammates with the ball yeah. gun, and then shooting like the photographers and then yeah. shoot some it just made me think of the last boy scout yeah I was say that's the last boy <laughs> scout right there where he's running down the field with a real gun and just starts shooting the other yeah, team shooting another team and then the kills himself in the end zone yeah what's he say uh, ain't life a bitch and yeah. then shoots a it's a very brutal beginning to that movie too oh yeah oh god yeah and, and then you sit there and you think about it and you're just like man like he's a professional footballer nobody would ever do that but like now they always talk about this like seat you know like the head injury like this oh yeah injury. yeah the cte stuff i didn't even think about that didn't um didn't he have to blow the game or something like he yeah. he had a, he some he'd been uh the mob got to him it was some sort of betting thing what's your favorite line ed so i have two I had one, and then I had another one. Coach, I look, I look like I just jacked off an elephant. And then... I know you're tired. I know you're hurting. And I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational. But that just wouldn't be our style. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory. Last forever. It's hard to beat those. It's really hard that'll, to beat that that second. That will do, big. That will do. Because I've said that oh, so yeah. many times. Like, this probably the reason why I think that is because I've said, never have I looked at my hands and said, "Man, it looks like I've jerked off an elephant." Yes, but you've said that will do, pig. I've said that will do, pig. Well, you know where that's from originally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it's also mimicked in Shrek, which the that will do, donkey. Mm-hmm. That will do. All right, who's your favorite character? You're not going to like it. You're going to say Bateman, aren't you? I said I had Bateman and Nigel. I had Nigel and Falco. Nigel is great, though. He has some of the best lines in the movie. Yeah, my worst character, I can't stand Bateman. Don't know what it is. I think it's just because they make him seem like he's too incompetent to do anything on his own. Mm-hmm. I think it drives me nuts. I, maybe it's it's too much Waterboy for me. That's why, but. Because he can. He he can seem like this really intelligent person, and then he's a, a mess right after it. But uh, my, my worst character, I hate doing it, but it's another chick, and it's Annabelle. See, I'm, I like her in it. I think it, she's it, fine. It, 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 it's not that I don't like her. I'm just saying she's very replaceable. She's very replaceable because and, and, that's and, and, the reason and, and, she and, didn't have a career after think, this. But the other characters, I don't feel replaceable. Like Wilkinson, I could say would be one of my favorite characters because he didn't freaking say anything the entire movie. You know, like <laughs> he's another guy. He just didn't say anything. But I wanted to pick like one of the more main characters that had lines. You could have gotten rid of the sumo guy. Sumo, uh, I kind of like this. His entrance, though, like the reason why they got him, you know, and everything. Yeah, but I mean, I was wasn't... I was saying this group of replacement players would not beat a professional team. No. Like they're 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 so far out of football, you know, like I'm sure that when this actually took they got some actual decent players when that happened. Yeah. 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 All right, Ed. All right. So let's uh our this week's actor actress top five. We chose John Favreau because this is one of the few movies you could really do John Favreau and we didn't want to do Gene Hackman. We didn't want to do Keanu Reeves. So I ended up with, I'm going to say it's not really six. It's five and a, and a half because he's in one episode of monk, which I talked about with uh, Brooke Langton and he plays the dentist. That's trying to he He essentially kidnaps monk and tries to rip his teeth out, but he's actually pretty good in it. So I've not seen that. So I, 
I'm a big fan of Monk. We watch it pretty often. It's on. It's on every Sunday on uh, Wii TV. They have a marathon of Monk. It's a, it's a show we can watch, and the kids don't. We don't have to worry I mean, about I, them I, seeing anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen it before. Yeah. You know, I've seen tons of episodes of it. I just haven't. I haven't watched the show that in so long. So I'm gonna do this five. It's my number five I mean, is don't, two don't, things. Don't, don't don't worry about. I said never worry about for the top five. Don't worry about doing best to worst or worst to best. I just said just give me. Okay, give me a five. Well, I'm I'm combining swingers and very bad things because he's essentially the same character in both. He's the biggest pansy on the planet. Swingers, it makes you want to turn the movie off. He's so annoying. Uh, number four, I have replacements. I also have, he, he had a small character arc on Friends where he plays the, the, essentially he's like a millionaire, billionaire investor who dates Monica for a little while. He has a full-size stormtrooper in his apartment. And then the last two I had were Four Christmases, He's pretty funny in that. And then he's the bartender in The Breakup. And he's really funny in The Breakup. It's not that good of a movie, but he's, he's, he's pretty good in it. I'm just trying to think of Vince Vaughn's name earlier. Oh, in, the, in uh, Swingers? No, 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 no. Oh. Just Vince Vaughn's name in general. Oh. Like earlier, I was like, what's that guy's name? What's that guy's name? I was like, could I? Because I was thinking when we were talking about recasting, I was like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to see John Farva, Farvo. And um, how do you say his last name? Favreau? Favreau, yeah, Favreau. Yeah. Have them both be like the, the this little like sideline coaches or something, you know? When I thought about it. Yeah, I, Vince Vaughn actually was um, a pretty good quarterback. That's why he played it in Rudy. And then again, they had him bring it back for a, a hot minute in Wedding Crashers, but he was actually a, a pretty good quarterback. Did All right, you, Mike. Did you, is it my turn? Yeah. There was this movie... I think it has. Is it like is it made? I think I saw that in the listing that he has, but yeah, I don't I, remember I, it. Well, I I don't either. But people, it was like when I was reading about it because it kind of made me want to watch it. It's kind of one of the higher ones up on there, and it kind of looked and reminded me of Swingers. So I think that he they're both in it again. That's what kind of made me think of it. Um, but I have Iron Man, specifically mm-hmm. Iron Man Two. For him, I like the first Iron Man better. The second Iron Man's okay, but I think his acting because he has that like the scenes where he's with Scarlett Johansson and everything like that. Yeah, that, that I think he does a really good job with it. Um, I have the replacements as well. I have Swingers. I have Four Christmases mm-hmm. and Rudy. I don't remember him and Rudy. He's the dorky guy that. Oh. Uh pick up chicks with and he like tutors Rudy. I, I thought about putting um PCU. You ever seen PCU? It's probably been a long time, but yeah, so long. So long. He plays essentially Danny Bateman in college. He's like so dumb in it. He can barely talk. Uh they do have to give John Favreau a lot of credit though. He's now become a very high profile director, including he did the most recent Jungle Book movie. And if you haven't seen it, it's some of the best CGI I've ever seen in my life. It's really it. good. I love the Jungle Book growing up, but the live action one and the kid is really good too. The kid that plays. Um, yeah, I've seen it actually. Yeah, it's it, the CGI is awesome though. All right, so some fun internet facts for you. One during filming, Keanu Reeves was offered a tryout with the Baltimore Ravens. 
I don't know if that's true or not, and if it is, it's hilarious. Because the, the he would he's just an actor, but uh, that's that was around Trent Dilfer time. That was that was Trent Dilfer time, but they they had just won the Super Bowl. In fact, with, I think it was the year they won it with Trent Dilfer. With Trent Dilfer. <laughs> Next, the reason everyone refers to Shane in the 1996 Sugar Bowl is because there was no game in 1996. It made it easy to avoid having issues with the real player or the real team. The Sugar Bowl after the 1995 season was played on 12-31-95. Virginia Tech beat Texas. And after 96 season on 1-2-97, Florida defeated Florida State. So they could say it and then no one really was actually got butthurt about picking on anybody. Uh, the film is set in Washington, D.C., but it was filmed in and around Baltimore, including the Ravens Stadium. Henceforth why he uh, – was given the tryout with the Ravens because he was standing right there the whole time. Yeah. We, we already brought up Michael Jace that in 2016, he was convicted of second degree murder and was sentenced to prison for 40 years. I didn't know it was for his wife. That makes it even more interesting. And then the last part I read, this is pretty cool. The entire company and particularly his fellow Sentinel teammates, both actors and real players were astonished at Keanu Reeves development as a quarterback throughout filming. Reeves, who gained 23 pounds for the role, could throw about 15 yards when he first came to training camp. But by midway point of production, he was firing bullets some 50 or 60 yards downfield. Because I wanted to look up whether actually Keanu Reeves could throw a football or not. And it turns out that at first he couldn't, but he worked so hard at it, he actually became quite, he got quite an arm on him. You never pictured him like younger in his age being like that? Since pretty much like this is right around Matrix time. Yeah, this was uh, Matrix was ninety nine, I think, and this was two thousand, which is kind of a weird jump for him. But sure. I guess he probably would have already he probably filmed this before the Matrix even came out. He should have kept his Matrix hair. You think you don't like the long hair on him? It's like it's just an excuse for them to slow like the roll down and like blow some air in his hair. So like, <laughs> yeah. it just pisses me off. Like when he first runs on the field, like for practice, and his like hair's all wavy, and I'm just like, oh god, don't do this to me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you have any other ones, Mike? Oh uh, no. Okay. The one I've written down was that the one about Jace. Yeah, um, Michael Jace. I just like it says uh, the trial. It only lasted a week. Wow. Then they really didn't mess around. Maybe he pled guilty. I don't know. Probably. Probably had too much evidence against him. So um, I'm going to ask first: Should there be a sequel? I'm going to say mm-hmm. maybe. It could have been like a follow up on some of the players. It would have had to have been within a few years because it could have shown like where some of the players were and how some of their lives all went in different directions. I'm sure Falco would have had a career after that, after playing those games. I'm sure somebody would have picked him up, maybe even stayed with Washington and uh, would have been their quarterback for the rest of the season, kind of thing. Supposedly there was rumored to be one, but nothing ever came of it. Well, like you said ago, when you saw how much money it didn't make. They probably normally, if you're not making money on the first film, right? They're, they're not going to make a sequel, yeah. Second film, so yeah, you know, that's just I think kind of what happened is if you know they would have doubled their money, they'd be like, why not? Stop. Yeah, sure. If we if we put in fifty and made a hundred, why not? We'll we'll do it again. Uh, you you know what? Now you'd have to Falco would have to be a coach or something like that. Now, you know, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of the Matrix, if there's only fifty million dollars to make the entire movie, and you had Gene Hackman and Keanu Reeves. It had to have been filmed before The Matrix came out because I don't think they would have been able to get Keanu Reeves for – I mean, he would have probably required $20 million himself. 
Uh, maybe not back then. But if it, if it had been after the Matrix became the major hit it was, I'm sure he would have wanted more money. Should it be remade? Yes, always. But I want to do it in a little bit different way. So I had a thought on this. All right, go ahead. For the owner, I want the owner to be Cameron Diaz, and I want it to be a follow-up to any given Sunday. And they have replacement players. I was trying to think of who to make the owner, and I was thinking, oh, let's just get another old white guy. I said, well, why not be Cameron Diaz? She's still the owner of the team from any given Sunday, and it's a it has to be that, but it's much lighter. It's not dark and shaky like uh, they did with any given Sunday. It's Cameron Diaz, and they have to get all the replacement players out there. What do you think? You could do that. You could pull that off, probably. Who would you have for an owner? Did you have one? This is who O'Neal is, right? You're talking about? Yes. The guy who was O'Neal. I put down Ed Harris. Yeah, Ed Harris can be a good owner. I think he would be – I don't think he'd be very lighthearted, though. I think he'd be a little a little rough. But so would Cameron Diaz as the same, as the same owner. For the head coach, Jimmy McGinty, I decided to go with John C. McGinley. John C. McGinley's been in a ton of sports movies. He's no, most known from – probably Scrubs and Office Space as one of the Bobs, as uh, Bob Slidell. But he's been in a million movies, but he's done uh, a couple different sports movies too. In fact, he's in Any Given Sunday. I could see that. I went um, went to a guy who already played a head coach, and his name's Denzel Washington. Yeah, Zell would be good. I had uh, Zell, and I literally had a slash, and I put down Gary Oldman because he can do anything. Gary Oldman can do anything, <laughs> anything he wants to do. Like I would, I could see him like with a headset on and like being a coach, like on the sideline. I was like, I could see him totally being able to pull that off. So instead of trying to match every player to, you know, every character to every one in the remake, instead, I figured we do it a little bit differently. Just kind of go by position. So for quarterback. And I did some research to find out at least actors who are athletes. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, I recycled some players from previous movies. But I the way I, I kinda wanted to do this is younger quarterback, older players, all of them being their like their replacement players, but they got brought back because they were good before, but they're now much older. And I know it sounds weird, but stick with me on it. So for the quarterback I had Zach Efron. Uh, I know we've yeah. used him before, but he's like the right yeah. age. And from what I heard, he actually is not, he's actually a pretty good athlete. Yuck. Yeah, I know, but it's hard to he, find he's not athletes elite. who can throw a football. He's not a leader. <laughs> Who's your quarterback, Mike? My quarterback, one of two people. It's either Captain America, because he's already a leader. And they kind of act the same. They act like they have a good, I was like, he's pretty much Captain America of the football team. Okay. I said Chris Evans or Channing Tatum. So the star QB, the one who actually has to cross the picket line, I picked James Vanderbeek. You're saying Martell. Yeah, to play essentially Martell's character. He's He's been a quarterback before, obviously. Mm-hmm. He's 41 years old, so he mm-hmm. can play someone in his like later 30s. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm sure he could do some yelling and screaming at people. Oh, dude, no, I've seen him like – in like small clips and stuff like that, doing being a dickhead, he's hilarious. Actually, he's actually he's really a good cool. actor. 
He's a he's good actor. actor. I don't know why he isn't like I haven't seen him in more stuff because when, when the stuff I've seen him in is pretty funny or he just does an excellent job. At if you it. if you ever want to see a funny James Vanderbeek, there was a TV show called Don't Trust to Be in Apartment Twenty Three with Kristen Ritter, and her friend was James Vanderbeek playing himself as James Vanderbeek in New York and trying to like continue his career. He's really, really funny at it. I think he's very underrated as an actor. I do. I do like that. And I could see doing him. And I uh, actually threw down in there. Um, he's a little bit older too. Like a Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Or actually, even, even uh, your boy, uh, Matthew Palmer. Yeah. He would have been good. And I, um, I was trying to think of like a pretty boy type looking guy. You know? And the one I really wanted to use was Matthew McConaughey because I've actually seen him throw a football and he can char- he can sling it, but he's too old. He's, he's just a little too bit too old. Yeah, he's way too old. Yeah, so for running backs, and again, I recycled some people. Mm-hmm. I did some looking. Nelly, because he's awesome in the longest yard and he's an actually pretty athletic runner. He's probably a little bit too old to be it. He would not be a priest. No, he would not be a priest. Or Taylor, and I want to add another one, Taylor Kitched, who was the running back in Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Again, they're a little bit older. They're in their 30s, mm-hmm. which which is pushing it for a running back. But again, this is replacement player stuff. Okay. Like I said, I'm not trying to go person for person. I'm just going position for position. I would probably go with like uh maybe like I said a Michael B Jordan. Okay. He's around probably like the right age. He looks like he's pretty, you know, fit and athletic. He's done Creed and all that stuff too, so he'd probably be fine for that kind of like role. Mhm. I was like that or like he could easily probably cuz he's a little bit thinner, he could easily he could probably do the whole Clifford Franklin role too. Sure. For the if if I may for the wide receiver, I actually put Bowell there because he's he's played uh, some athletes before. He did a, I think he did a basketball he, movie. He can't act for shit though. You can't act for shit, but he doesn't have to. Neither could Orlando Jones. And then I I said even why not? You can have two old like aging white wide receivers throw in Ryan Gosling and Scott Kahn and recycle them from Remember the Titans and Varsity I had, Blues. I had I had Ryan Gosling just like in there. You know, just like I was like, I feel like he could be somewhere in here, you know, just like he could fit somewhere in this like mix. Like he could even be like the bad quarterback, you know, like, yeah, he could be the Martell. You could see him being a dick. Oh, of course. He probably could be to do pretty fairly well at that. Do you have any other wide receivers other than uh, Michael B. Jordan playing both positions? Um, well, I was just. Because there was only one, like you, you did it that way. We talked about how you were doing this, like right before. So I didn't really have anything listed yeah. down player for player at first. So I don't really have anything for other than just him. And I will admit, I don't have any offensive linemen. I couldn't find large enough people to play him, and that's the reason that those guys got the spot, and then they haven't been in much else. Um, for te- for tight end, I actually had Channing Tatum there. I feel like he'd be a good fit at tight end because he's a little bit bigger, a little bit bulkier. Jan Kadem, he's like not bigger than me. Right, I wouldn't well. be a, I, being a professional tight end. Mm-mm. All right, well then maybe not. Yeah, uh, you have to bulk up big time. We'll put some meat on his bones. I uh, thought that guy uh, who plays Beast, his name Nicholas Holt or whatever. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. 
He's not like a – he's tall, but he's not – he'd have to bulk up a little bit. Yeah, he's pretty lanky. But I was like – he, I felt like he could probably fit into that role. So I'm going to flip over to the other side of the, the field. I actually had Michael B. Jordan at safety. Not no, to say he's Wilkinson, but I feel like he'd be athletic enough to be the safety safety corner, whatever you want to say, that uh, Wilkinson played. You're saying Wilkinson, so you're saying safety. I was going to say. Um, this guy's name is – I really have Wilkinson written next to him – is Lance Gross. What was he in? He's in the TV show House of Pain, Tyler Perry's House of Pain. I'm like looking him up now. I don't recognize him particularly, but – But I, I looked – I was like looking at him, and he's like I was Googling actors that look bigger. Yeah, he's like six foot. Looks pretty, like built. Wouldn't have to do too much work to get into like looking like a, a safety type. And if yeah. he can act, he doesn't have to even say that much if he's Wilkinson. Yeah, I decided to add two linebackers. I have Winston Duke, who is from Black Panther, the other tribe guy. He's like six four. Yeah, John, I, it's funny. I actually have him written in here too. Winston yeah. Duke. John Bernathal, he's a little older, but he could play young enough. He was in The Wolf of Wall Street and Fury. He's he's a big guy, too. Yeah, I put down Arnie Hammer. Yeah, Arnie Hammer would, or, would, wouldn't be too bad. And then I actually added a defensive end, and I said, let's throw Jason Momoa in there, too. From He was the Aquaman in Justice League. Oh, yeah. I know who Jason Momoa yeah. is. I think yeah, that, he, could, he, could, he could be pretty – he'd have to put on a little bit of weight. but Yeah, I mean, he'd have to, he'd have to bulk up some, too, for it. And then for the, the dancer, Annabelle, I thought about it a little bit, and I decided to, to go off the grid a little bit. There's a, an actress named Brianna Evigan, but she's from your favorite movie, Mike, Step Up to the Streets. I kind of recognized her a little bit. Um, she, she's done a few other things here and there, but really we need, you need someone that knows how to dance more than anything if you want to have a good, uh, good dancing person. And she's, a, she's around the same age as, as Efron. She's my, that brown-haired chick. Yeah, yeah, that's her. Uh, for chicks, I threw down uh, Jennifer Lawrence or that what's her name, Margot Robbie. Sure, I mean they're they're, they're, they're those two. You can put in almost any role in any movie. I feel like and I know it's like I was like, ah, oh, you gotta find someone that's hot and could really all they don't have to even dance it well. They just have to be able to cheer. Yeah, I have like a lot of like names. Like I said, you're talking about like a kicker, and I was just saying, just you need just a really goofy person and i was like trying to think i was like well you could change it he's not welsh and you could change it to like he's just a you know a guy who was a soccer a college soccer star or something like that turned, mm-hmm. pot, turned pothead james franco you know or something like that no. you know not james franco but <laughs> dave franco dave franco sure james is so weird oh i know but it's kind of like he would just act normal and play <laughs> all right mike anything else on this one that is all I got, Ed. Well, football season's going to be here, so it was time to do a football movie. Uh, our next movie will be Lord of War, starring Nicolas Cage. A little different than some of the other ones we've done. Good movie, though. Good movie. I think it kind of fell under the radar a little bit. It's uh, it's one I have not seen in a while, so I look forward to actually being able to sit down. And yeah, I think you're it. really going to enjoy it. It's a good movie. It's very good. No, I remember when I vote first time I watched it because I've only seen it one time but I remember watching it yeah so remember to follow us on Twitter at worth the watch PC uh, email us 
worth the watch podcast at gmail.com. Send us ideas, um, you know, thoughts on what we're doing, things you'd like to see us do a little bit differently, anything like that, things you want us to add. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, I know on Apple Podcasts you can subscribe to us, so you'll get updates every time we load a new one. Uh, I think uh, Android uh, Google Play has the same thing. As well as be sure to share with other people. Uh, our numbers are are steady, but we want to we want to grow more so we can grow our audience and and add more movies and put out things people like. So, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, no problem, Eddie. Have a good one. Tip.